Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, only a few more shows for the rest of the year. The lights are up here in the studio. It must be Christmas. It is. We're really getting the Christmas spirit here at the moment. We do. There's a little, oh, what's that, little dog or something over there, a little red-nosed reindeer. It's a little... Rudolph, I think. Okay, little mascot of the studio. Very nice. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought we might talk about Christmas trees and how to look after them in the house. Yep. Uh, if you've got figs, there's a little grub going around at the moment, so we'll talk about that. And the Illawarra flame tree, it's out at the moment, so we'll chat about it, a nice big tree in the garden. Illawarra flame tree? Flame tree. Right. Sounds interesting. It is. It's a lovely big tree. Bright red. Christmas only a few weeks away, Scott, and you're telling us about how to look after our Christmas trees. Yeah, it's uh, only, well, just on two weeks away now. Right. It is. Is it? Two weeks. I reckon it is. What are we, the seventh or something now? So, yeah, two yeah. weeks away. It's, it really has rushed upon us, hasn't it? It has crept up. Are you prepared? Uh, I've got a list. Right, well, let's start. Yeah, I've got a list of things I have to, to do and get. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's about as prepared as I get in two days out. I really get into it then. <laughs> <laughs> So what do we, how do we look after our Christmas trees? Yeah, so it, it really is a nice thing to have a Christmas tree inside. Uh, they are very easy to look after, and they last a few years as well. Yep. Uh, the main thing is uh, you still have to water them. People bring them inside, and they think they might be a fake Christmas tree, but they're not. You still have to water them every now and again. Uh, but the main thing with your Christmas tree is you've got it inside. It's in there in the lovely air con or the, in the shade inside. And once Christmas is over, most people then just go, oh, it's a plant. We're just going to stick it back out in the full sun. Massive mistake. Big mistake. Yeah, because the plant is going to be stressed as anything. Sun's beating down on it. Uh, you know, it's been in those that nice inside conditions, but it's, but it's not really suited for anyway. So once it goes back outside, chances are it's going to defoliate and lose all its leaves. So you're looking after your plant inside. You're watering it. You've got your tinsel on there. You know, your lights. Everything's going fantastic. You've opened your presents on Christmas Day. You've had a few prawns on Boxing Day and yep. other things as well. And then you think, time to bring down the tree. Well, not a good idea just to stick it straight out in the sun. You need to take it out gradually. So firstly, you might put it on the veranda, for instance, where oh, okay, it's right getting... You know, I thought you meant one branch at a time. No, time, no, no. It's, all, it's going to be in good health when you get it out there. Okay. So gradually, out onto the veranda, a little bit of light out there. Yep. Then maybe after a week or so, you might then pick it up and move it out to uh, you know a position where it's getting some morning sun. Okay. It's on the eastern side of the house. And then you know another week or so in those sort of conditions, then you can put it out into the full sun. Right, yeah, which are really the conditions that uh, Christmas trees need. So you, there's all sorts of different cypress you can get. You know, your pine trees, Norfolk Island pines, they look fantastic when they're young as a, as a Christmas tree. They have those really nice horizontal branches to hang your baubles off. And your little thing? I don't know. What yeah, well, I just say, yeah, we just have all sorts of decorations. Actually, we put this decoration on the tree the other day that was so heavy, it just dragged it down. Half the tree's gone down. Half the tree's gone down. We've got a fake one as well, I've got to tell you. Here I'm espousing the, the live ones. I've got a fake one. But the live ones, they also bring a be really beautiful scent into the house as well. Uh, it just makes it feel like there's you know something nice and living in there with you. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, look after them. Just water them probably about once a week. Uh, treat them, you know, fairly kindly when you're putting them back out. And you'll be able to use that uh, live Christmas tree for a couple of years. Uh, there's also another one, uh, Emu Bush Adianthus, which is a really lovely um, sort of fluffy grey native plant that you can use as a Christmas tree. So, yeah, so if you don't want to go the traditional pine tree, you want to go native, uh, Adianthus is a good one. All right, excellent. Good choice. Okay, yeah, but treat it exactly the same as you're putting it back outside. Right, yeah. Maybe give it a wash as well before you put it out. Yeah, look, a general spray over there. Make sure you take off those baubles and tinsel. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the lights as well. And the lights as well. They you don't want to leave the lights out there. No, they're not waterproof. <laughs> so we've got Mike from Swansea, and he's got a question about worm farms. Hello, Mike. How can we help you? Hello, Scott. Uh, my wife's got a worm farm, and, and it gets a lot of wormweed. Uh, and I use it like the same as sea salt, pretty much. But I was just wondering if anybody had ever analysed it to see what the comparison be and how, what sort of rate you should use it at. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I like the way you call it wormweed, though, because most people call it worm juice. So at least we're calling it what it really is. <laughs> they call it spade a spade around here. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I haven't uh, I haven't heard about any analysis like that. I'm, I'm thinking with sea salt, though, it might be higher in nitrogen, perhaps, just because it's coming yeah. from a you know from a fibrous uh, you know green sort of plant. Um, yeah. But that said, I mean worms will pretty much you know chew up anything as well, and a lot of green stuff. What do you feed yours? Everything, pretty much, apart from oranges and meat scraps. But, uh, but all the vegetables go in there. Yeah, uh, apparently onions aren't too good for them either. They no, don't onions, like that. Yeah, onions don't go in. All the things, you know, she's read up on it. And uh, they get pretty well fed, actually. Yep. And I, I might add that they're the perfect pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're easy to look after. Uh, you give yeah. them a pattery now and again? They're not, I, sometimes I like to take them fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and how do they feel about that? Well, they don't come back. No, that's well. Obviously, the, <laughs> the other thing I've, I was reading as well about them: you can uh, use your vacuum cleaner um, dust and stuff in there because it's yeah. all organic. So if you've got pet hair or you know any sort of nail clippings, things like anything organic, they will eat. Coffee grounds, they love it. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, they don't like the onions. They don't like no. the the citrus. Um, you know the orange peels and not look i don't really like eating orange peel either it's far uh, far too bitter so look they are a great thing and like you said the the wormwood that you get you can use it uh, all throughout your garden you can use it on pots i remember uh oh look it's a it's a fair while back now probably about uh, 10 years ago we actually uh did some tests uh, we had uh, you know just like the normal one the plants yeah. that we planted in the the pots and then we had the worm juice one as well and the worm juice just went out of control and that was you know compared to using a sort of the, you know, one of those other fertilisers you get in a packet and we were watering that on. But the worm juice one, it just went out of control. I think we had some lettuce, uh, maybe some bok choy in there as well and it just went absolutely uh, fabulous. So, look, I, I think if you've got the space in your garden, they, you know, a worm farm is a good idea and, and the uh, the farms that you get now are much more, I guess, elegant, compact. than oh, they... It's quite a tidy thing, you know, and it's, no, it's not smelly or anything like that. It's, it's very tidy. Yeah, so have you just got a tap at the bottom where you can uh, pour out the, you know, the sort of the schooner of worm juice? Yeah. 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 So very easy to use. Um, yeah, it's not like you've sort of got your hands in there all the time. Apparently, you need to keep them a little bit moist as well. Um, you don't, don't let the, uh, the soil that they're in dry out because they get a bit unhappy then. Yeah, um, they're in a shaded spot and they seem to stay moist, uh, but... But uh, like the good part too is now and again if I put some shrubs in, I get a handful of worms and put in round it, you know, because, uh, you know, just to keep the soil full of worms as well, I hope. Yeah, well, look, as well as putting those nutrients in there, we out into the soil, they're also as they dig around and, and, you know, put the soil through them as they eat through all those, that organic matter, they're actually aerating the soil as well, which is yeah. very important uh, to get moisture and nutrients down around the roots of plants. So, yeah, look, uh, worms are a fantastic thing. If I ever see one sort of languishing, uh, you know, on the footpath or something like that, I always pick it up and go and stick it under a shady spot and uh, yeah. hope, hope that it's going to come good. 
Yeah, but it's, yeah, we certainly get a lot of the product, and I, I treat it a bit like sea salt. I probably use it at heavier rates because I get it for nothing. At, uh, but I, a lot of leaf feed on shrubs and that, I just tip it over with a watering can and you know, everything's going pretty well. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, look, a fantastic thing to have in your garden. Um, and like I said before, and you agreed with me, that, uh, you know, the the uh, worm farms that you have now were much, much easier to use than the olden days when you sort of had these old plastic things that, you know, stuff would leak out of and they'd smell. So, yeah, much better sealed up now and uh, a really good product to have. Yeah. Okay, Scott, thanks okay. for that. I thought that somebody might have analysed it at one stage, but... Uh, I suppose it depends on what you're feeding them as well. Yeah, look, I think it would. Uh, anecdotally, it, it works a treat, um, and I, I guess you agree with that as well. I mean, we, as I said, we did those tests, and, uh, yeah, you couldn't stop the plants from growing when you're using no. the wormwee on there. No, it all gets it. Even the indoor plants, the wife will put a little bit on, you know, the cyclamens and all that sort of thing. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's good to hear. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that, Mike. Thanks, Scott. You have a nice Bye. afternoon. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Just wormwee, some nice... Lunchtime chat. It is, I know. Look, we could be calling it worm juice, but um, look, we're all friends around here. Worm weed is. We we know exactly what it is <laughs> and, and where it's coming from in the worm. <laughs> We've got Terry now from Port Stephens, and he's got a question about naked ladies, the plants, of the, course. The plants. Ooh, it's, not hey, that, it's not that type of show. Because, uh, look, Greg and I are probably experts in the other, but we can help you with the plants as well, oh, Terry. Good, good. <laughs> I'll probably need some advice on the other one as well. Um <laughs> The last couple of years, I've uh, had no success, really, with the flowering. The, the, the foliage grows quite well, and then all dies back, but the uh, spike in the flower doesn't seem to appear very uh, prominently. There's, last year, I got probably about half a dozen. This year, I got none. I was just wondering uh, where I'm up to. Yeah, have you been fertilising them at all? No, I don't. Okay, I would probably give them a, a, some bulb food because that, that's yeah. essentially what they are under the ground. Yeah. I thought the foliage would have would have fed them enough. Yeah, and, and look, it, it should. The only thing I'm thinking about, though, as well, it's been so dry, and I'm wondering if that might be having an effect yeah. on them as yeah. well um, because they, look, they will grow out in the full sun, but they also like, uh, you know, sort of a semi-shady position as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's about the only thing I can think of. I'll definitely fertilise them. Yep. Uh, use some sulphate of potash or just a generic bulb food, right, yeah. uh, just to try and build them up. Yep. Uh, but look, they they really are a beautiful plant. I love the way that the flowers just sort of pop up out of yeah, the ground, and there's no true. leaves yeah. or anything there to back them up. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll just give some general feeding to them and uh, see how you go with them next year. Okay, Dougie. Thanks for your advice. Okay, thanks okay. for that. Cheers. Bye. Have a nice afternoon, Terry. You too. Enjoy. Bye. And we've got Jenny from Tea Gardens, and she's got a question about the leopard plant. Hello, Jenny. How can we help you? Do you know the one I'm talking about, Scott? Describe. I think I do. It's a, a like a... Oh, how am oh, I yes, going to describe it? Yes. It's got yellow green... spots all over it. Is that the one we're no. talking about? No. no okay. No. You, you describe away, and we'll see how we go. It's, it's, uh, it's, I suppose it's more a tiger. It's got black, it's got black stripes on the lovely, lovely green leaves, but they're black stripes on it. Okay, that's completely the one. It's not the one I'm thinking about. Um, it's an in, it's an indorable. I bought it from Bunnings. It's called Indorable, and I bought a, I bought two or three um, plants for indoors, and this had such an attractive leaf. I bought it. I bought it for that reason. Okay, so look, they that that Indorables is just a generic sort of um, yeah, of brand. It is. Yeah, and brand. it does. Have, it did, as I said to Jennifer, 
Jenny on the phone, I said that it does have a botanical name, but do you think I can remember <laughs> it? But that's on the back in small print, of course, but on the front it's just called a leopard plant. And you do see it in lots of doctor surgeries and things like that. So it says put it in a, put it in a, a bathroom, likes the steam. Well, it is in a bathroom. It's a well-lit yes. bathroom. The, the shower's not used a lot because that's our main bathroom. The shower isn't used a lot. But it was lovely. Um, but then um, the leaves started going a little brown around the edges. It says not too, not too wet, so I'm not watering too much. But the um, brand had lots, had lots of brand new leaves. Yeah. But even the brand new ones, as they're, on, as they're coming up, I thought, oh, blow me down. They're, they're brown around the edges of the brand new ones coming out. I thought I'll poo. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to give some general advice here. Okay. So okay. I think you know we might be talking about a different leopard that's changed its spots on me. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll ring when I get home. I'll ring and apologise if I've given you the wrong. No, no, that, that, the that's all right. you the wrong way. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. And uh, what I'm going to say to you is, if the outside edges of the leaves are browning off and the new yes. leaves are browning off as well. Yes. I would think in that case that it has dried out at some point in time enough uh, because oh, okay. obviously the the outer edges of the plant are where you know the, it's going to take the moisture longest to get to, so it's going to be right. the first part okay. to dry off, okay. and the new leaves are also going to be the first um, you okay. know leaves to die off as well. So I would probably yeah water. up your watering on that okay. one, yeah, okay. and right, not then. just depend on the you know the humidity or the steam in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, well, I do sort of stick my finger in. I think oh no, it's still. I can still feel a little bit of moisture there, and I thought you're not supposed to have them too wet, are you? But I'll up it a bit and see how we go, and keep keep my fingers crossed. It might delight me for Christmas, perhaps. Yeah, look, <laughs> generally, once a plant's been damaged like that, those leaves probably won't come good. But what you're going okay. to do is is protect and make sure those new leaves the that new are coming ones will through be, now. Yeah, be yeah. good. Okay, then. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. That's right. Give us a call, and we'll double check that plant name when you uh, get sure, home. Sure, sure. Okay. okay, and have a lovely Christmas. Okay, Thank you, you too. Thanks, Jane. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 We've got Philip now from Lambton. He's got a question about the happy plants. Philip, how can we help you? Good afternoon. I've got a happy plant, which is looking particularly happy. Good, good. <laughs> except for the ends, are good. some of the ends are a bit burnt. Now, it's growing up to about two metres tall. Yes. What I want to know about is, that, can I cut it in half? And can the half that I cut off be used to make new happy plants? Absolutely. So it's a form of Dracaena, your happy plant. And so it's got the nice woody trunk on it now? Yes. Yeah, you can certainly cut that. Uh, what will happen is new little sort of um, bud nodules will come out as well um, on that old one that you've cut off. And if you stick the new one in the ground, it will take root and it will just sort of keep on growing. Uh, it won't necessarily follow that main stem up anymore, but uh, the, you know the new ones might take over. The other thing I would do is over the, when you've made the cut over the top of that cut on the old one, uh, actually get some uh, some wood putty. Uh, there's a product called SteriPrune you can get, but even some wood putty that you might have, just smear it over the top and sort of seal that off so uh, nothing bad can get in there and do any damage. And you can keep so on, just, same, same as yuccas, uh, all those sort of plants, you can cut them, uh, dracaenas, just stick them back in the ground and, uh, yeah, you'll get many plants coming out of them. All right, so if I just, the, the section I cut off, just peel off some of the leaves and just poke it in the ground. Yeah, absolutely, and enough that it's not sort of waving around in the breeze. Yeah, all right, lovely. Okay, it's too easy, Philip. Thank you. Okay, have a good afternoon, mate. Bye-bye. And we've got Jackie from Merriweather, and she's got a question about gardenias. Hello, Jackie. How can we help you? Hi. Um, look, I'm giving you a call.
cool because I've got a, a really lovely gardenia hedge. They're the, the big white gardenias. It's about, I don't know, I don't know, a metre, well, no, maybe two metres tall. Yes. And it's it's on a slope. Um, now, I'm finding that over the years it's become a lot sparser than it used to be. And I'm just trying to work out whether I can really cut that back or whether I need to just um, maybe feed it a bit more or what I need to do to sort of get that nice and lush again. It's better at the low end of the hill than the top end of the hill um, where, um, you know, actually maybe it's a little bit drier or something. Yeah, what you're probably going to find is that it's actually a bit more moist where the, the water's naturally running down the slope and getting down to those bottom ones. Sounds mm-hmm. like you've got uh, Gardenia Magnifica, which is the taller growing uh, one with the very, very large white flowers. Yeah. Now, you've actually hit the nail right on the head for yourself almost, and uh, and that was giving the plant a cutback and a feed is what you're going to need to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd also suggest, though, that it's so dry at the moment that uh, gardenias, even though they're a fairly tough plant, haven't got an enormously deep root system, so they're going to be feeling it and, and uh, you know, dropping leaves and, uh, you know, just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So, look, yes, a very good hard cutback is what you need to do. Uh, the trouble with that, though, is if you do it, it's going to be bare for... Uh, Oh, you know, I'd probably suggest three to four weeks at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd hope that we'd get some rain as well, which would kick it back on. So you're either going to have to be watering it uh, or hoping for rain to uh, get that plant to kick yeah. on. Um, so that's, that's sort of the, the decision you've got to make. Uh, it's, okay. it's going to be bare, but it will come good and it will yeah. make it much uh, nicer and uh, fresh and green for you. Okay. And when you say a hard cut back, what, what sort of, you know, take off? you know, a third of the plant or, a, you know, you sort of, you know, just 10 centimetres or oh, I've look, been a... Yeah, look, I'd say a third of the plant. You could even take more off a gardenia if you wanted to. If you needed to go oh, down okay. to half, you could certainly do that. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right, well, I shall give that a try. Thank you very much. That's all right. Sometimes it's just when you're pruning, though, it's just about, uh, you know, if you go too hard, you'll lose the shape of that hedge that you've got. So you, mm-hmm. have to, you just have mm-hmm. to be a little bit mindful, uh, you know, sort of cut down a little bit. And then if it's looking all right, you might be able to cut down a little bit further. But, yeah, just try and keep the shape of the hedge. You don't want to be taking huge chunks of the plant out uh, so it loses its shape and it takes yeah. even longer to come back and uh, form up for you again. It but does it matter on the stem where you cut it, or can you just, you know, if you've got a hedge clipper, hedge it like you would say, um, you know, one of those green hedges that you see everywhere around the place. Yeah, look, certainly with a hedge, you can hedge them. Uh, Make sure that the branches aren't too thick, though, that you're going to wreck up your hedge because I've seen that done before. Uh, (laughs) What you might do then is you'll notice on a gardenia there are very, and especially on Magnificate, Magnificate, there are very um, definite sort of bud internodes. And if you leave too much dead wood, you might get some, you know, you just need to go and tidy it up a little bit to bring it just above the bud on your pruning. So certainly give it the initial tidy up um, with the hedging uh, with the hedger and then go through with some secateurs or something and just give it a light tidy up so you don't get too much dieback. Okay. All right. Look, we'll do. Thank you so much for the guidance. Much appreciated. Okay. Thanks, Jackie. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. You too. Goodbye. We've got Kath from Hamilton. She's got a question about watering plants. Uh, very important at the moment. Kath, how can we help you? <laughs> yeah. Look, it's um, uh, before I ask that question... I was just listening to the gentleman that was cutting down his happy plant to re, uh, you know, regrow it. Um, I'm I'm a bit of an orchid buff, and and um, in the orchid world, nearly everybody 
instead of using something like steriprude, lots of people use cinnamon. Cin- I think it's got to be the real cinnamon, not, you know, because there's, there's different grades of cinnamon. But, um, you know, if you know you've got authentic cinnamon, then that apparently is a really good um, sort of protection on the, on the area where you've cut. So do you, yeah. make, you make it up into a, a sort of a paste or a poultice or something, do you? You, you could, but in the little, in the little cuts that, that you would be doing with orchids, yeah. I've just seen, um, you know, on, I've just seen people stick their finger in the cinnamon pot and dab it on. You know, it's that effective. Okay. And, and I would say probably, you know, I don't know, there'd be hundreds of people through the world using that, using that um, process. So um, I think by now it would have come out if it wasn't any good. So, yeah, that's just, that's just another thing. Because I know myself, you buy a, um, you know, a, a can of Steriprune and you've got it sitting in the garage then for the next 20 years. You do. And, and the other trouble <laughs> with it is, is uh, that unless you get the, uh, you know, the aerosol one and uh, you, you wreck a paintbrush every, every single time you use it because it's impossible to wash out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that gentleman's probably um, listening still. And if he looked up on, um, on the internet or something, I'm sure he'd find, you know, enough facts to give him the courage to try some cinnamon. Mm. But the, the question was, um, listening to another chap talking about watering orchids, um, I'm in a situation where I can only water so many before I go to work, mm-hmm. and then after, when I come home, I water the rest. He said that a thin-leafed plant um, with a, with a thin leaf rather than a thick, you know, um, uh, leaf was better watered in the morning because they're um, their little cells were open in the morning, the thin-leafed ones, to to get water. And the thick-leafed ones were okay to water in the early evening or, you know, um, late afternoon because their cells, I forget what the word was he used, but you'd know, um, their cells opened up in the evening. Did, is that right, Scott? Have you heard that? So in the orchid world, are you saying that cymbidium orchids are best to be watered in the morning and then, say, phalaenopsis are, are better to be watered yes. in the afternoon? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, look, I, I'd agree with that. I'd even agree with just the idea that, you know, a thin-leaf plant's not going to store as much moisture and is, is going to dry out quicker, you know, during the day. So you need to get in there and oh, give yes. it a water. And those thicker leaf, like a phalaenopsis orchid, um, more flesh in there, is yeah. obviously going to be able to withstand, uh, you know, the heat of the day a little bit better. So, look, I would totally agree with you there. I mean, sometimes gardening's just common sense and, uh, um, you know, you just follow your nose on things and it seems to work. Yeah. 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 Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, that's fine. That's, that's great. Scott, I just wanted confirmation of that because that won't make me feel I won't feel guilty now going to work <laughs> leaving half half water and half not because um, I've got about a hundred so I, <laughs> it's a bit of a job oh, sound, anyway okay yeah. sounds good thanks for that yeah yeah okay Scott thank you cheers bye bye actually I had uh, I had some cinnamon over the weekend oh right a couple of very nice donuts out at Glendale well, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know if that counts. Is it the classic cinnamon donut? Yeah, just the classic cinnamon. I don't know if that counts uh, as far as sealing up wounds on your plants, but uh, it was very tasty for me. I'm sure if you rub the sugar over it, it might have. No, oh, it didn't last that long. Oh, okay. Right, there's nothing left. <laughs> no. We've got Jackie now from Toronto, and she's got a question about blueberries. Hello, Jackie. How can we help you? 
I've got two blueberry plants in a big pot. Yes. It used to be a, 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 a pool filter thing, so I've cut it in half and made it into a pot. Yeah, very clever, but, yeah. They get um, the blueberries on it, but when they, they never ripen, they just fall off. Oh, really? Uh, so are you watering the plant properly? Yeah, well, I water it every day. Yeah, because they certainly need to be watered every day. Uh, what sort of potting mix have you got it in? A half decent potting uh, mix? I bought premium potting yeah, mix. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, look, the only thing I can recommend because we were talking about blueberries a couple of weeks ago and just how easy they are to look after. So they don't really have too much pest and disease. Uh, and the only thing I the only I thing I no, and they wouldn't. The only thing I could say is just to keep on watering them. It's very hot, very windy and dry at the moment. And the fruit or the flower is going to be the first thing that drops off. And they are a little bit tender on a blueberry. Is it possible to even move it into a more sheltered position where it's out of the afternoon uh, sun? Well, it's pretty sheltered now. It gets a bit of morning sun, but it hardly gets anything in the afternoon. Uh, okay, so that sounds like a good, a good position for it. Uh, look, the only thing I'd say to you is just keep that water up, uh, especially you know around that two o'clock mark in the afternoon when oh, it is going okay. to be drying out. Yeah, just go out and give it a you know a brief water yeah. then around the not over the leaves or anything, but just around the root system of the plant, just to to stop it getting stressed and possibly dropping it its is. flowers. It, it, well, the trees are very big and bushy. They're not you know they're not skimpy. Yeah, and you're getting uh, plenty of flower off there. Yeah, yeah. But they and it gets lots of blueberries, but they know I never. Haven't seen any blue yet. <laughs> they fall off. Yeah. Look, the other thing a plant will do is, uh, you know, it gets optimistic and, and sets too much uh, flower and fruit. And if it dries out, it's always going to be the first thing that it, uh, that it loses. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll do that then. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Jackie. Thank, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Jeez, thanks, Jackie. Now, you mentioned right at the top, because I've had so many calls today. Biggs. We have. Uh, yes, a, a fellow that I know came in to work the other day complaining bitterly because his fig tree was getting eaten uh, by these black caterpillars. Oh, right. Yeah, he thinks he's a pretty good gardener. I'm not really sure if he is. He loves his jacarandas. But, uh, oh, okay, that's a yeah. big cross in the box for you. Yeah. Then. Well, not for me, for him. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's struck down there straight away. Uh, so he's complaining about his figs. He didn't know what they were. Uh, so there is a little fig beetle that uh, sort of wanders around and lays its eggs on the underside of fig plants. So, you know, that's the edible fig, not the ornamental yep. fig that we're talking about. And then what happens, those eggs all hatch out, and all of a sudden you've got this clump of black caterpillars there. Oh, right. They're, pretty, they're pretty hungry because yep. they've just come out of the egg. And they just eat away, and you don't really see them until they've destroyed the whole leaf of the plant. It just leaves almost this silvery skeleton uh, of the leaf there. Oh, okay, so it's nearly almost too late. It can be too late, so you just have to be really vigilant at this time of year for the uh, fig leaf caterpillar. That's what I call it. It's a little black thing. You sort of you'll turn them over, and you might even see the the uh, eggs that have been laid as well. They're like these little beige, fawny little sort of nodules that the uh, the beetle has left there. Yep. Uh, so if you can, you can just scrape those off. Uh, once you get the caterpillar on, on there, though, it's important to spray. Uh, there's a product called Dipel out there which which is a bio um, chemical, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you can use it. Um, it has no withholding period, only a very brief one. So you can eat the figs if you're spraying that around. Uh, spray that and those little caterpillars will die. But I think the thing to do is to be vigilant. If you start to see your leaves being eaten or you get these skeleton-type things, then those little caterpillars are around and they will do a 
truckload of damage to your fig tree. That sounds awful. Mm. Try to nip it in early if you can. Yeah, and I love figs. Uh, something I've come to a little bit later in life. Yeah, same. I never used to like figs when I was young, but now yeah. slice them open top, pop them open. Yeah, or even I'll just buy a couple and you Put know cheese you, on the side. Yeah, they have that sort of leathery taste, but you'd bite through that and mm. very, very nice. We could roast them as well, I think. I oh, think. Yeah, that'd be nice. They'd caramelise too, mm. wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Jeez. many good ideas yet again. Cooking up a storm on the weekend. We are. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. I'll catch you again next week. Okay, see you then. For our Christmas special, I guess. We'll do something. Baubles, tinsel, everything. <laughs> Scott Sharp, we'll see you again next week on Gardening Talkback. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.